Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is good night nation on the heels of their fourth consecutive victory in a row over usf and the bulls ucf concluding the regular season with a six and three mark in hopes of playing in the postseason coming up in the next several weeks welcome in here to another edition of our two nights and one podcast alongside 10-year nfl veteran former ucf knight leger doosable scott adams here with you and deuce we're uh, we're about to go ahead and put a wrap here on this regular season but not before we take a look back here at ucf's victory over the bulls just this past week from raymond james stadium a game in which does ucf scores their most amount of points on the season. They had the big halftime lead. And then that second half, we got a lot of youth out on that football field. And the Bulls, they wanted to make things interesting. But UCF, in the end, was able to get some big plays there in that second half. Yeah, the, the most important thing, Scott, was that UCF came away with the win. And I believe that's four straight. And even the series, 6-6 six and six versus USF, so next year's game is, is, is pivotal, it's monumental, right, to take the league in the series, whether it be UCF, USF, war on I-4, it's a battle that I, I look forward to next year. But you stated um, already in the podcast, a lot of youth, especially in that second half on defense, I don't think we finished the, the season well or as well as we wanted to on defense, but you had to like what you saw from the offense, especially going back the last two weeks. We really had, didn't have the continuity that we were accustomed to seeing with the UCF fast brand. We were able to run the ball effectively. Two backs go over 100 yards. You know, Jacob Harris has a great last regular season game, three touchdowns, I believe, going over 100 yards. And also, Dylan Gabriel was cooking. He threw for over 330 yards. So on, on offense, you have to be happy with what you saw you know, how UCF finished the season on defense. Again, a lot of youth played in the second half. I believe Aaron Robinson didn't really play the second half. Also, our leader at the middle linebacker position, Eric Gilliard, really didn't play the second half. But it was almost like a spring game for our defense, essentially. That's kind of what, you know, Willie Martinez and also Randy Shannon did in the second half of this game. Get some youth in there. Let them get, you know, some reps. And you really had to love what you saw from our defensive ends. Five sacks combined with uh, Landon Woodson and also – Traymond Morris Brass. So that that is a positive outlook for that defense right there. And two turnovers on the day for the Knights that will conclude this regular season. Top five in the nation in turnovers forced. Coming up here on today's edition of Two Nights, One Podcast, we'll do a deeper dive here against the USF Bulls, the victory over in Tampa. We'll take a quick look back at the season that was. We'll get some of Leger's impressions of guys that might have surprised and stepped up here in 2020. Then we'll finish things off 
as to what's to come for the Knights playing in the postseason, a bowl game opportunity on the horizon. But before we get to all that, here's this from this week's sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Two nights, one podcast. Scott Adams alongside Leger Doosable. Let's take a look back, Doos, at the week that was regular season finale. UCF gets past USF and the Bulls 58-46. to UCF up 31-14 to there in that first half. And the Knights, we, we talked about it going into the football game, at least offensively, trying to establish a little bit more of a run game, something that we had not seen the previous two games for UCF. And dudes, on the day, the Knights, 241 yards rushing, and that was without the services of Otis Anderson. Yeah, and I think that's a real bright spot in the game, Scott. We talked about that pregame Getting back to establishing the run, we knew this could be Greg McRae's last regular season game, and yes, everybody gets the extra year, and we'll see going forward if Greg decides to come back. But I thought it was um, imperative that we really got him going in the run game, and we did. And I don't know what it is about Raymond James Stadium, but once Greg McRae steps on that field, it's like nobody can stop him. If you go back to, to two years ago, he went over 100 yards in that game too, and I think we averaged almost like nine yards a carry. So whenever he steps off the field in Tampa and goes to Raymond James Stadium, this guy becomes the bat, the best back in the nation, not just in the American Conference. And we saw a little bit, a little bit of that on Saturday. But it was good to see Bentavious too. You know, he probably will be the bell cow going forward, depending on what Otis and Greg do next year. So it was good to see him get some touches and be really effective in the run game, running downhill and then breaking open the the big run. I believe he scored the first touchdown of the game on that uh, that big run, and it was good to see him getting you know really engulfed into this offense. And then Jacob Harris, man, like. What can you say for a senior to go out like that, three touchdowns, and these a lot of these catches weren't easy. I mean that 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 slot fade and in, in in the red zone, I believe on his his uh, first touchdown catch, it was almost like a back shoulder throw by Dylan Gabriel, and he had to twerk his body around to get that that catch. So he he proved that he can maybe have a chance to play at the next level with his body frame, his jump ability, and how good he is on special teams. Yeah, the hat trick of touchdowns for the senior Jacob Harris. That was a coming home party for him. Heck, it was a coming home party for Leger Doosable, the, the Tampa product, coming back over there onto the west coast of Florida. But Doos, after that USF first score, UCF would go and rattle off 28 consecutive points, two touchdowns from Jacob Harris. Jake Hescock caught a touchdown pass. in that night defense, it, it, we mentioned it, being able to cause turnovers here in 2020. Yes, they've given up yards, but they've also come up with big plays, getting the turnovers, and then the offense going ahead and scoring off those turnovers. That's what really separates teams that are able to get big plays on defense, at least separating the ball from the opposition, getting interceptions, getting fumbles, and then your offense taking advantage of that. 
Yeah, it's been a focal point of what we've talked about all year, year long, Scott, creating those turnovers, but not just creating turnovers, but going ahead and scoring on those touchdowns. I mean, scoring on those turnovers, not just settling for field goal attempts. That's really what the, the, the Knights did well on Saturday. We were able to get those two turnovers and then turn those into points, which is monumental in this league. If you give up a lot of yards, a lot of times to offset that, you have to be able to create turnovers and more opportunities for your offense. And that's what this defense has done all year long. Yes, you know, Saturday, the second half wasn't pretty. But if you look at it, I believe we were up 21 at halftime with our starters in the game. They didn't play the second half. And like I said, I believe Willie Martinez and Randy Shannon really used this second half to really nurture some of these players. We saw Hodges go out there. We saw Devon Wilson. He hadn't played, you know, for, I believe, the first four or five games. He played a lot in that second half and also created a turnover. These are the guys that are going to be your future on your defense, and you want to go out there and give them as much opportunity as possible, especially with guys like Aaron Robinson most likely going to the NFL and not coming back. Richie Grant, there's no way you're going to be able to take him off the field. I think me and you were laughing about it. Uh, he made a, a big stop on third down. I was like, Richie said he's had enough of this nonsense, all right? It's time, it's time to get these boys up out of here. Let's get this W. Let me get off the field healthy because Richie Grant loves football so much. Even though, you know, most players would have came out of that game, he loves the game so much that he was willing to put, you know, all the future that he had on the line to go out there and play with his brothers and play with his teammates. And that shows what type of guy he is. Yeah, think about this, dudes. There were 11 Knights on defense that had starts for the first time at some point this season. There are a ton of freshmen and sophomore on that unit that will be coming back next year. Yeah, you're, you're going to be missing, you know, a couple of kids that have been there for three, four seasons. The the Richie Grants, the the A-Rob. You've got Eric Gilliard, who has been in that UCF system. Gilliard is one of the all-time winningest nights in the history of the program. That dates even back to, to his high school days where he barely even lost games. He was a true winner in, in every capacity for UCF coming here in into UCF. But the UCF that was served here this year. Yeah, were there growing pains? There certainly was, and we saw that there in that that second half. But another note here offensively, dues for for this football team. Obviously, the outstanding season that that uh, Dylan Gabriel had. But I thought in this USF game, something that we had not seen at least obviously in that Cincinnati game, was being able to stretch the field, take the top off the defense, and get those chunk plays. Yeah, I mean, you just this during the you know the game during the broadcast on Saturday the last two weeks we hadn't really been able to get those explosive plays but I believe in the first half we might have had five or six alone and I believe going back to Cincinnati we only had two or three the whole game that went for over 20 yards so it was really good to see that our offense who was not necessarily based off explosive plays, but has been accustomed to getting those explosive plays. And we had, you know, a lot of those on Saturday. And that's what you can do when you run the ball effectively. And we talked about that. When you run the ball effectively, you can run play action pass because it sucks those deep defenders in. Like the linebackers, they're a little bit slow getting out of their breaks. Also, the safeties, their eyes are in the backfield. Then you get those passes over the top to Trey Nixon. Then we saw to Jacob Harris. We saw the one to Ryan O'Keefe, which ended up being a defensive pass interference that probably would have went for a touchdown if that corner or safety doesn't, number 20 doesn't grab Ryan O'Keefe there. And that was all aided by the run game and the play action pass. Dudes, that, that, that defense for the Knights, they would give up 646 yards on the, on the day against USF. And going into that football game, record aside, USF had come in having lost seven consecutive. And you talked about it, having that level of looseness, being able 
to play your last game in the regular season, playing against your rival. All those things that that seem cliche, there is merit to that as a player when you step out onto the field. And I thought USF, and especially Jordan McLeod, their, their quarterback, who probably had his best football game of the season, that USF offense, they, they showed flashes, and they cut this thing into that fourth quarter, a seven-point game when Brian Batty is able to, to score from one yard out, and UCF at that time is now up 45-38. to And so how will this UCF team respond and the Knights get themselves into the, the fourth and seven and then the big reception there to Ryan O'Keefe really turn the trajectory from that point forward? Yeah, definitely, Scott. And Jordan McLeod just didn't have his best game of the season. He had his best game of his career. This kid threw for over 400 yards, and I believe before that hadn't even thrown – close to 300 yards in his career in one game. So USF, we talked about it, the looseness and all this could be cliche. Like this is a team that has nothing to play for. They're going to play loose. But if you think about it, it was just like UCF, how UCF was on defense with a lot of young guys. It was the same thing on offense for USF. A lot of freshmen, a lot of true, I mean, true freshmen and true sophomores playing for them. So they, they don't know any better. They're going to just hang it loose, go out there and have fun. And like we stated before, in this rivalry game, there's a lot of kids on both teams that played against each other in Little League, played against each other in high school. So you want to beat your you know, your brother that you played in Little League. You want to beat your brother that you played in high school. You want to have those bragging rights. So in a rival game, it really, you know, it, it sounds cliche that records don't matter, but they really don't matter because you're going to get up for that game more than any other game of the year just because you want those bragging rights when you come home for Christmas break or even down the years, you know, down years later when you have kids and stuff, we can talk about it. If, if guys are living in the same neighborhoods, yeah, remember when we whooped y'all in, in 2020 or we whooped y'all in 2019, that's something that you can hold over your friend's head for the rest of their life. So I knew USF was going to come out loose and they were going to have a lot of fun. Jeff Scott talked about it all week long. We want to finish this off right. They didn't get the win, but they finished the season off right and they played the best they've played on offense all year long. Dudes, think about it. There's not a player on that USF roster that has beaten UCF during their their time thus far at UC or, or at USF, and now those seniors losing four consecutive here here to to UCF and to close out the season. UCF now six and and three and in a potential bowl game here on the horizon for UCF. Who will that be? That is still yet to be determined. There's There's been talks of a handful of different bowl games, the tie-ins here with with the American, the Boca Bowl, the, the bowl in Orlando, the Cure Bowl, Gasparilla Bowl. We have yet to figure out or find out who, who UCF will end up playing and where they will be playing. But being able to play uh, another game here additionally and what has already been such a, a, a tough season for for so many levels for 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 UCF players for coaches for for support staff and, and then to be able to take a brief hiatus here and then get back to it this is this has been a long season dudes yeah 100% and it's even longer with you know the players having to the, to wait around for the bowl game but i think it says something too and and we we've alluded to this before scott for UCF to be the first team quote unquote in the nation to finish their season and play every game when it was actually scheduled to be played. Again, I, I just want to give a special shout out to the players first and foremost, because when you're 18 to 23 years old, 
and you you know you want to be a regular college student and hang out with some of your friends that aren't football players and go places and gatherings and you know you can't do that because you might jeopardize your teammates or the coaching staff or the support staff there by getting you know getting the virus and having to have an outbreak and spread like other teams have had you have to commend the players for doing that because they essentially become professional athletes at 18 and that's a hard thing to really fathom i don't think a lot of people really get that when you're you know technically a kid still and you're making adult decisions already because you know it's for the betterment of your team. So, again, first and foremost, I have to give a kudos to the players for doing what they were supposed to do off the field, on the field, and off the field especially. And then also the coaching staff and that support staff to me is one of the best in the nation. Uh, you know, trainer Mary Vanden does a great job. has been there for years. And there's no better trainer in all the college football. So I want to give them a shout-out. Yeah, and the, the entire Orlando Health crew as well there that have worked hand-in-hand hand with, with UCF and athletics here throughout the course of this this football season. I thought I thought the voice of the Knights, Mark Daniels, he, he said it best, dudes. Think about you as a player not being able to go home and enjoy your mom's cooking on a weekend or just for a couple days. I mean, think about dudes going back and seeing mama dudes in Tampa and not being able to do that. The level of maturity that these kids have been forced into almost here over the course of the past two months is, is something that I think us as fans, as broadcasters, really can't necessarily get a grasp of until you put your, your mind into that 18 to 22 year old space that we all once had. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel for these kids. I remember when we uh, won the conference championship, my senior year, we played in the late bowl game. We played in the Liberty bowl, which was back, back then was a pretty, actually pretty big bowl games. We didn't have as many bowl games as they have now. So I believe it was December 31st we played and we actually left on Christmas day. Um, O'Leary was like, I'm gonna let everybody, you know, be with their family for about a week, you know, on, and then up until Christmas day. So we practiced, after the championship for about a week or, or a week and a half, then he let us get like three or four days. And everybody had to report back, I think, at like 6 p.m. Um, Christmas Day because we were going to fly out to Memphis because, you know, we had to get ready for the bowl game. It was five days later. You have to practice for about four about four or five days where you're playing your bowl game. You get, try to get acclimated to, you know, the weather and everything, the surroundings of the hoopla of bowl games and all this stuff. There's certain things that you have to do, certain charitable things you have to do. But, you know, I was able to actually go home, see my family, actually wake up Christmas morning, you know, with my family and then drive back from Tampa to Orlando on Christmas Day to get ready to fly out to Memphis. But these kids won't be able to do that. And I think that says something, Scott, um, for these kids to, to be willing to, to stay home and, and to play one more game. I mean, stay back in Orlando and, and play one more game. And like I said, they're making adult decisions at 18 years old, which is no easy feat. Trust me. I mean, I think everybody remembers where they how they were at 18 and nobody could tell them nothing. They thought they were grown, but this is actually a grown up decision because you don't want to put people at risk. Yeah, and also should be noted that regardless of whatever bowl game that UCF will play in, they will not depart until most likely the day prior to the game. Whereas exactly. the bowl season typically gives you an entire week to enjoy the, the the culmination of your season. These bowl games, regardless of what conference you're in, it is a reward for the work that you've put in through the first 12 weeks of the season. In this case, the nine weeks, which has felt like an eternity this year. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the biggest difference between bowl games this year and bowl games of the past. Right, Most teams, 
you know, most likely would have left, you know, f- like probably five days, six to five days before to get acclimated and enjoy the festivities of the bowl game. But with COVID 2020, that's not possible this year. And like you said, most likely UCF will leave the day before as if it was just a regular road trip game and, uh, you know, go play the, the game. And then maybe they'll still get, get the gifts. But, you know, you won't be able to tour the city and do some of the charitable stuff that you had done in the past. So you have to feel for kids in uh, college football in 2020. But this is something that the, the nation is dealing with. Actually, the whole world is dealing with. So they're not in this alone. We're all dealing with the same thing. There's all three games this season coming by by single digits, or the three losses this season coming by single digits. You, you had the, the, the two games earlier on in the season, the losses uh, against Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, and then UCF. You know, following that up on the road against Memphis, it's a one-point game. It was a back-and-forth shootout affair. And then the Cincinnati game, again, a three-point loss for for UCF. But there have been so many goods as well. We talk about the the youth on the defense, but that night offense, and under Josh Heupel, since he's got here after taking over for, for Scott Frost, one of the most dynamic in the country and Gabe Davis, who we saw a year ago, he gets replaced by a, a Marlon Williams really as the focal point in terms of UCF receivers. He's going to opt out. He's not going to play in the, the bowl game. And I'm, I got nothing wrong with that. I'm sure you've got nothing <laughs> no, not at all. wrong with that. He's got, he's got too much to gain playing at the next level. But let's talk a little bit about things that, that the positivity and things that surprised maybe this year in your estimation about this night football team. Yeah, I, I would say uh, first first and foremost, I think Puha at, at guard was a big surprise. A lot of people didn't really have him penciled in. Me, myself, didn't have him penciled in as a starter. And I, I feel like he's really showed well. A guy that has, has gotten more playing time, I believe he's a true sophomore now. And I think he'll take that next step next year. We don't know what's going to happen with Cole Snyder. Um, I believe if, um, you know, he actually had a, a, a faux pas in the game, you know, swinging on a, a USF player and getting ejected. If, if that doesn't happen, I believe Snyder sits out that second half and doesn't play that game because we all know he has aspirations to, you know, go to the next level. And, and the way he's played the last three years, honestly, um, I wouldn't even blame him if he sat out that second half. But he ended up fighting. He got banged up a little, but came back into the game because the team, the team know that it, he knew that the team needed him, and and that shows how unselfish he is. Because you know a lot of players in this position would have been like, "Well, next guy up," because you know I have aspirations, and we're not playing for a conference championship. But I think that's one thing that I've seen on this U.S. I mean UCF team is the unselfishness unselfishness of these guys, and guys that have you know potentially a lot to lose still landing on the line for their brothers, and that says something about the closeness closeness and the tightness of this group but I, I i digress i would say him and then also um i would say tatum bethune taking the step man was really big honestly you know we know what happened you know after the houston game we lost a few players on defense and he stepped up and, and stepped up in a, in a big way i would say besides the memphis game where he had to play because eric gilliard you know was was banged up and couldn't play that game other than that i feel like he played an elite level and the crazy thing is this guy's a true sophomore him and, and, and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste are both be coming back as true juniors next year or maybe redshirt juniors, depending on the NCAA rules. I don't know how that correlates with everything. But th- we're going to be solid at linebacker for the next two to three years with, with those guys at linebacker. And then, again, towards the end of the year, once we lost a few defensive players, the emergence of Landon Woodson, which I felt like last year he should have been playing way more than he played, and then also Traymond Morris-Brass. These two, and I, and I actually talked to Traymond, I was like, you need to get together – with Josh Telescar and Landon Woodson 
And you guys need to literally be in every workout group together because you guys need to physically push each other. I think all three of these guys were hurt last year by not having an off-season program. But if they have one this year, the sky's the limit for all three of these guys, and they can be the focal point. And I'm not – you know, everybody talks about the UCF offense and UCF fast. These three guys can be the po- focal point of this whole team, not just the defense, because that's how special I believe all three of these players can be. Well, think, think about this. Josh Selskar, who you just mentioned, the coming out party that that guy had, true freshman playing on the road in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, in the whale of a game that he would have. We saw great flashes from him to, to maybe piggyback on your offensive line note. How about Matt Lee, the first-time yeah. starter at center? How far he came, not just from taking over the reins from Jordan Johnson, who started over 40-plus games in his UCF career, but dudes, remember the, the, the ECU game. game and all, all the false yeah. starts and the, the ridicule that, that he, was, he was taking, but then to come back the, the very next week back. that we play yeah. – and be be flawless, and for the most part, all season long, he he was flawless. Matt Lee was a, a, a huge reason why that UCF offense and, and Dylan Gabriel, who by the way will finish with over thirty three hundred yards passing, thirty touchdowns, and just four interceptions in just nine games of work. I mean, that's mind boggling. We didn't know how Jalen Robinson was going yeah, to mesh that was, in. Yeah, that was going to be another guy. Yep, Trey Nixon. He gets hurt early in the season. We saw him come back the the, the past two games, and then I would even say Ryan O'Keefe has had his exactly. his uh, his moments here this year as well. So if you're a Knight fan going into next season, I think you're you're pretty excited. Yeah, you 100%. better be. You it's, better. It's be. because our team is so young, and, and there's so many focal points coming back. Yes, we will lose two great starters in the secondary with Richie Grant and also, um, you know, Aaron Robinson. But I feel like we're, we're going to be in good hands with, with Divide Wilson probably sliding in to nickel. And then the youth that we have on the outside, all guys, all three corners were true freshmen. And they'll come back and potentially Ben Moore could potentially come back. We don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA rule. But with Hodges, uh, Devontae Brown and Corey Thorne all coming back and haven't gotten that experience this year. The sky's the limit for this secondary, and I believe with the length that all three of these guys have, I think that's what really separates them. Before, I think me and you actually talked about this too, Scott, the the Houston game. It's like Corey Thorne's a freshman, but he towers over most receivers. I believe the Temple game was the only game he didn't tower over most receivers in our conference, and that's saying something as a true freshman, his length. Now, if he could just work on, you know, turning back to the ball and making plays on the ball, I think that'll be his next, you know, natural progression. But he's usually always in the right spot at the right time. He's just got to be more aggressive attacking the ball, knowing when the ball's in the air, it belongs to me just as much as it belongs to the receivers. But he's only going to get better with time. Like, you have to learn that throughout your college career. And and with, with great coaching, I think he'll be a great player for us. Yeah, and I think that great coaching is something that that UCF, they've got the experience on that coaching staff to get these guys better, to get them in in positions to be better. So as a Knight fan, you're looking forward to 2020. Maybe you remember some of those times here, the lapses by those young corners during the course of 2020. Those are warts. Those are growing pains, and you got to go through them, maybe to the degree that they did. Again, True freshman quarterbacks that are lining <laughs> up and and having to go up against in, in the AAC some of these some of these offenses. The Memphis game comes comes to mind in that Houston game. I think we'll go back to that game and look and, and say that that was the most complete effort of the season cumulatively for for this entire UCF football team. 
Yeah, definitely. I believe that was a, a true turning point for our true freshman corners and, and for our team, really, period. I mean, because we definitely needed that win. It was a gut check, and then we all know what happened before that game. For a team to still go out there and put together the most complete game of the year shows the grit and, and the fight in this young team that we have. And it should have UCF fans, you know, really happy or excited for next year. And I know we've, we've been spoiled the last couple of years of, of winning 10 games, 10 games. And, I mean, cumulatively, if you look at the schedule this year, we had the potential. If we had played, you know, all 12 games, we probably would have had a chance to still win 10 games with the bowl game. So we potentially, you know, that would have been, what, four straight years of winning double-digit wins. Not many teams in the nation can say that. I believe only six other teams in the nation can say that. So that says a lot when, when your team, year in and year out, can get double-digit wins. Well, six wins here in 2020, going to look for a seventh. UCF most likely going to be playing in, in a bowl game. Where that will be, that will still be uh, yet to be decided. We, we implore you to log on to UCFnights.com along with all of those UCF social media sites to get the latest updates. Dudes, it has been a, a wild 2020. We'll probably have a, a bowl preview show at some point, yeah. so stay tuned for that. We'd like to thank you for listening all season long to our two nights in one podcast. We always finish these shows with a little bit of Deuce speak, which Leger Deuzable, who has played over 20 years of very high-level football from high school level to being a knight and then 10 years in the National Football League, he's had a lot of coaches, players say things that sometimes resonate, sometimes are funny. So Deuce, to cap off the regular season here for us, give us a, a, a Deuce speak that might tie in. Um, there was a coach that used to tell me, you know, you can't, you know, burn the sticks at, at both ends, at, you know, at night and then pre perform, you know, during the daytime. So if you take care of the things off the field, <laughs> taking care of the, the things on the field will be a, a lot easier. So that that's something that I think our, our team has done really well. And I think it's resonated with me and this year being able to play nine straight games without having to reschedule any games. That's because our players took care of things off the field, you know. We had the one issue before the Houston game. But besides that, you know, our team has, has been pristine. And I, I really have to, again, you know, say kudos to this, the players and this coaching staff and this support staff. So if you take care of this stuff off the field, taking care of the stuff on the field is easy. Yeah, how poignant. And again, if you're a Knight fan, be proud of that fact that UCF was able to go nine games and not miss any of them because of any sort of uh, a, a COVID outbreak within our team unit. No team in college football to the degree that UCF was able to do that this season can can say that that very fact. So, I, you know, I'm with you. We harped on it all season long and it came to fruition. So, so bravo. So that's, that's a pretty good closing there. I thought that tied in pretty, pretty well. You've done a pretty good job with this. I, I sprung this on you to begin the season and every single yeah. week you're able to, to lift the bar even higher, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I always try to, to, to make the, the point, you know, relative to what's been going on in the season. Like you said, I've played a lot of football from, from high school to, to college and then 10 years in the NFL. So I've had a lot of different coaches. <laughs> well, again, two nights, one podcast. We appreciate you listening all season long. We'll have a bowl preview. Be on the lookout for that. And dudes, that'll do it for the, the regular season. Six and three go the Knights, get the victory over the USF Bulls. The I-4 rivalry, the I-4 war goes to the Knights. Four in a row, I'll take it. And maybe a, a couple final thoughts from, from you here, dudes. Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, 
I want to say temper expectations. I know night fans, some fans will start talking crazy um, because we lost a, a few conference games and we're not used to, to doing that. But I would say this, this is a youthful team, right? And it's also 2020. I believe most coaches in the nation will get a mulligan because it wasn't a regular offseason. It wasn't even a regular season or training camp. So I would say temper expectations. Um, again, the games we lost, all of them were by one score. We could potentially be undefeated in, in the college football playoffs. So I look forward to, you know, you know, we have one more game, you know, with the bowl game. But next year, I look forward to Dylan Gabriel taking another step and Jalen Robinson back in his offense, Benzo maybe being the future back. And then also these young corners that we talked about. And this young D-line, now I think a lot of people have always talked about our depth and that being the strength in our defense. But our, our D-line was even younger this year with Kalia Davis, you know, opting out. That I think that hurt us a little bit this year. But, you know, Cam Good stepped up. You know, Noah Hancock stepped up a little bit. Montalvo is always going to be steady. So we got these young guys coming in, Hester and Shoots. They've played a little bit this year. They're only going to get better next year. And then I talked about that three-headed monster that we had at defensive end with Josh Seliscar and Traymond Morris-Brash and Landon Woodson. Those three guys, man. They are going to be special as long as we get a regular offseason where these guys can push each other to get better every single day. I think the sky's the limit for this team, and I wouldn't be surprised again next year if they rank us number one in the American Conference just because of the talent we have on this team. I wouldn't have it any other way. Leger Duzable, former defensive line standout, closing the regular season off, giving the praise of the UCF defensive line. Bravo to you, dudes. I wouldn't have course, it any man. other way. Of course, man. You got to give the big guy some love up front. I hear you. I hear you. Well, for my partner, Leger Duzable, on the sidelines, former Knights standout 10 years in the NFL, I'm Scott Adams. Dudes, go Knights. Charge on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.